We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So, Brian, it's been a busy 24 hours, to say the least, even actually before 24 hours when we're talking about the offensive coordinator stuff, because things start to at least circulate out there before we even started our show yesterday. So, unless you've been living under a rock, you all probably know that Jared Parker, former Notre Dame offensive coordinator, originally tight end coach, has taken the job head coach at the University of Troy, which is a very good G5 program, and I think it's going to be a potential really nice stepping stone to Coach Parker if he's able to have a lot of success there, and then we'll see where, where it takes him after that. But now, Brian, for the third time in the last three years, Notre Dame is going to have a new offensive coordinator. So the second offensive coordinator hired the last two seasons, obviously, you go from Tommy Reese to Jared Parker, and now the offensive coordinator starts. starts. Before we start talking about names and just impact and people we like and, and what, what the, what's at stake for this next hire. Mm-hmm. It is a huge time right now for Marcus Freeman. Cause we've talked a lot about the strength and conditioning coach and, and kind of solidifying everything there. Now having the offensive coordinator hire open again, this is a big, big, this is a big hire for coach Freeman just in general. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Factor has been a great friend of the Driscoll household this month. Not only are we super busy with work and everything going on with Notre Dame football, we're also dealing with a house remodel. And even thinking about cooking stresses me out, which is why I'm so thankful we found Factor. Factor is America's number one ready-to-eat meal delivery service for breakfast, lunch, and dinner with chef-prepared, dietitian-approved, ready-to-eat meals that can be on your plate in minutes. It has literally saved me hours of prep, cooking, and cleaning time during an incredibly busy season for us. And their fresh but never-frozen meals got delivered right to my doorstep, which also saved me plenty of shopping time. On top of that, the flavor is outstanding. Whether it's the chicken taco bowl I had for dinner last night or my personal favorite so far, which is a filet over a mushroom risotto, I'm eating healthy meals but not sacrificing flavor. 
treat yourself to high-quality, delicious meals over the holiday. You can choose from over 35 chef-crafted meals that also support a healthy lifestyle and meet your meal preferences, whether it's calorie-smart, vegan, keto, protein plus, and more. Head to factormeals.com slash irish50 and use code irish50 to get 50% off today. That's code irish50 at factormeals.com slash irish50 to get 50% off. Definitely give it a try. We did, and we love it. It is. And by the way, there's also a little nugget on the board yep. about a conversation I had with Ryan Harris last Ryan night Harris. about the that, man. coach. And we're going to try to get Ryan on the show. We've had him on before. Ryan's awesome. Uh, very knowledgeable. But he trains with Lauren Lauren Landau. And I believe he also said Peyton Manning still still trains with him as well, I believe. But, uh, you know, so, so there's some firsthand knowledge there. So I put that on the message board and then we'll try to get Ryan on here over the next, next week or so to talk about, talk about coach Landau. So it was nice to just talk to someone that's worked out. Yeah. To talk about with somebody that that's worked with them. Yeah. You know, you, you, Ryan and Roberts, those first and last names, I don't know what it is. You just love those, but um, you know, so, so that was good. But with the offensive coordinator thing, Ryan, we'll talk about specifics and all that, but there's a, there's a bigger picture conversation that needs to be had about this. And, And the fact is, is that, Notre Dame has to get this right. And and there there can be no there can be no like, well, you know, this we couldn't afford this guy, couldn't afford that guy. You saved a lot of flipping money on not having to do a buyout last year. Right. And I know for a fact, because I know the the boosters directly who would be paying for this, some of them who'd be paying for it. If you if you go to them, they'll pay whatever you need to pay to get the OC that you want if they think it's something that's going to help you win a championship. And the fact of the matter is they have to get this right. Now, what does it mean to get it right? There's some people say, well, you know, I don't want to bring a guy in who's going to only be here for a year or two. And my thing is, I don't really care about that because if he's only going to be here for a year or two and he's and, he, and it's because he he blows up and I mean, would you, would, would do, do anyone think that the LSU Tigers are like, man, we shouldn't have brought in Joe Brady. He was only here for a year and left. No, they're like, well, well, you you can leave and we'll go ahead and enjoy this championship ring that you helped us bring. I mean, Brian, I would even say like even more reason for LSU. It's like if Mike Denbrock left this offseason, was Mike Denbrock's tenure at LSU like a, a not a success? I right. mean, he just had those exactly. you know, prolific exactly. offenses past year for LSU. Right. So, yes, right. you know, I mean, the window doesn't really matter that much to me. It's the impact right. that you leave. It's exactly, and yeah. that's the key. And, and so – when you look at this offensive hire, I mean, look, defense is rolling. They're recruiting like crazy. Offensive recruiting has been excellent the last two years. I was talking with somebody last night and said, it's kind of wild. A buddy of mine asked me, he's like, you know, do you do you really think Notre Dame is trending in the right direction or is this just more of the same? And I said, look, in, in some ways they definitely are trending in the right direction. In other ways, it's just more of the same. And the area where it's trending in the right direction is talent acquisition. I mean, Marcus Freeman is thriving at talent acquisition right now. And I'm like, you guys are going to see it these next two or three years. There's just different looking cats coming into Notre Dame and already at Notre Dame in those younger classes than we've seen at Notre Dame in a long time. And I said, this is the closest I've seen since since the 90s, the early 90s, to Notre Dame bringing in the kind of skill year after year after year after year. I mean, you could make a case, Ryan, that from a from a you know raw talent standpoint. That the Christian Gray, Jaden, or I mean the uh, Benjamin Morrison, Jaden Mickey class might be the least upside of the three corner classes, you know, because you could look at Christian Gray and Jaden and Micah Bell upside. You could look at Leonard Moore and Carson Hobbs. I, I may pick others. I've heard other people make, you know, but the point is, is like three years in a row, you're bringing in dudes yes. at cornerback. You're yep. bringing in receivers every year. You, you're recruiting running back as well as any team in the country right now, in my opinion. I know the recruiting rankings are going to say this or this or the other thing. I don't care. I'm just saying based on film, yep. Notre Dame is, can compete with anybody. I mean, there's been years in the past, Ryan, not that long ago, that the day Kyron, the day Aeneas Williams shows up, he's the most physically gifted running back on the roster. Yep. The day he shows up, not that long ago, like, AKA 2019, right. right? Where he is the most talented running back on the roster. And he'll be at best, at best, third. At best, yeah. Now, yeah. as far as just now, he, the thing about Aeneas is he brings a skill set that allows him to do a lot of different things. So he oh. can play with those guys. And he's very talented, but it's just, he's incredible. Yeah. That's the, that's the conversation we're having is, is that. And so, and, and the reason I say at best, because Jeremiah loves the most gifted. 
Yep. And then you could have a conversation of, okay, some may like Kedron more than Jadarian, some might like Jadarian more than Kedron, but you're probably taking one of those two over Aeneas. And then it's the debate of, is Aeneas better than that other guy in that conversation? And then there's Jabron Payne. And there's been years in the very recent history where Jabron Payne is your first or second most physically talented running back, and he might be fifth yeah. next season. Because he's talented, man. Jabron Payne's not a bad talent at all. (laughs) If Jabron Payne has to be your starting running back next year and he carries the ball 200 times, he will be a 1,000-yard running back. He has that ability. There's no question. It's just other guys are just better. I mean, there's not a back on your roster right now that that we expect come back that it's like if he's your starter, you're like, man, that's a bummer. You know, like all of them can play. Jabron, Aeneas, Kedron, Jadarian, Jeremiah, they can all ball. You watch quarterback, and again, I'm just watching uh, C.J. Carr and Kenny Minchie side-by-side, and I'm like, those are dudes. Those are dudes. Well, and just wait until Riley Leonard gets here soon, and then, and then obviously Deuce, Deuce Knight shows up a year later. I mean, it's just, you know, and yeah. watching Eli Rarin, I was like, six foot seven, 250-pound yep. kids are not supposed to move like that. It's just – and then you're, I'm watching Charles Jagasaw and Sullivan Abs are just like – mountains of human beings and you're just like guys y'all don't understand and and by the way by the way charles jagasaw was also a 41 and 0 wrestling state champion as a junior so yeah i mean i'm watching bubakar go through drills right like the kid can scratch his knee without bending over i mean it's nuts i mean like just think about that everybody just stand up and put your arms down right like and i'm being a bit hyperbolic and see how far your arms go down you understand the point that i'm making super long athlete so there's just a lot of things you look at, Ryan, and say, man, the, the town acquisition is there. And so that's why this this hire is so important, because there's no more excuses for talent. None. Now, OK, you're going to be young next year. There's a lot of teams that would trade their fifth year starter for a redshirt freshman version of Charles Jagasaw in a heartbeat if they got the right, right. O-line coach in right. a heartbeat. Right. And so coach them up. Right. Yeah. Your receiving core is going to be kind of young next year behind the, the couple veterans. Your tight end groom when Mitch with Mitchell Evans out isn't out is not, you know, until he comes back is not going to have a ton of experience, but good Lord, there's a lot of teams with experience that would gladly trade the problem that they have of our guys just aren't very good, but they're experienced with, yeah, you're six foot seven, 250 pound freak athlete. That's probably going to run a four or five, you know, um, is, is going to be phenomenal. So, uh, you know, it, there's just there's just a ton to like about what you saw, and now it's about okay, find the right coach that yep. can can get the most out of this talent. And it's like this year, I think Jared Parker did some good things this year. And 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 I'll say this: I think this the discussion about Jared Parker is just it's kind of embarrassing. I'll be honest with you, the way that we're having it. Like we can have a conversation: was Jared Parker great this year? No, I don't think it was great this year. But this thought of like, oh, I'm glad he's gone. He sucked. He's terrible. It's like I, I, we've lost our way in a lot of ways, Ryan. We've lost our way. Notre Dame scored 39.1 points per game. That's a point and a half higher than the best scoring offense they've ever had in school history, and that was back in 1968 with Joe Theismann at quarterback. That's how long ago Notre Dame came anywhere close to scoring the way they scored now. Oh, they scored defensive touchdowns. You don't think the 68 team had any touchdowns other than offensively? That's football. You know, you're going to have probably the second or third best uh, yards per play average in modern history. Modern history for Notre Dame is World War II and beyond, right? So we're talking about almost 100 years. Got to get better in big games. It it can be something you can put on the epitaph of every offensive coordinator since Lou Holtz left Notre Dame, right? Like, that's not abnormal. He did some really good things. Wasn't good enough because it wasn't good enough in the big moments. I'll no one will deny that, including Jared Parker. But the fact of the matter is, is now Marcus Freeman needs to make a hire and and give that hire the authority and and not even just the authority, the directive. You're not just going to create an offense that scores 45.8 points per game in our nine wins, which is exactly what Notre Dame is, which they've never come close to that, Ryan. But I need you to be able to do that against Ohio State. I need you to be able to do that against Clemson when they're good. I need you to be able to do that against Georgia. I need you to be able to do that against Bama and you know what I mean? Like Michigan. I need you to do that in those big moments too. When it, you know, we're on the road against Miami late in the year. And if we win, we're a playoff team. And if we lose, we're out. I need you to show up on those days Absolutely. as well. 
And that's what this hire has to be because there's no more excuses for, well, we don't have a quarter, a good enough a quarterback. If you can't develop the talent, they're going to have a quarterback the next four years, then you should not be coaching, period. Yep. Especially period. at Notre Dame. Especially at Notre Dame. Exactly. Yeah. If yeah. you can't coach up the talent on the offensive line that they're going to have here the next four years, then you need to find something else to do with your life. If you can't coach the tight ends and the running backs and the receivers, I mean, guys, this is the most physically gifted roster I've seen. And when you include the guys that are coming in, yep. since I've been covering the team and it's not close. Now, they're, they're, I don't know if there's a Will Fuller on this team, but here's the difference. There's eight guys that are ballers. Maybe Cam – I think Cam Williams can be a Will Fuller type. But there's just – Possible. You know, I mean, Chris Brown's not your number two on this group moving forward. Right. And, you know, say I'll see your CJ Procise and raise you a, Jadar, you know, a, a, a Jeremiah Love, Jadarian Price, a Kedron Young and Anise Williams and a Jabron Payne. Right. And that's just the that's just the reality of it is there's just way too much talent on this roster yeah. for me to, well, to, 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 to. There's just, again, excuses. Timer's gone, Ryan. That yeah. Well, you, you know, you're not going to have to win with a Drew Pine anymore because now if your starting quarterback gets hurt, you're going to either CJ Carr or Kenny Minchie or Steve Angeli or Deuce Knight or whoever, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. oh, Jadar, you know, Jeremiah Love got hurt. Oh, wow, it sucks. Yeah, it does suck, but you're putting Jadarian Price and Jabron Payne and Kedron Young and Aeneas Williams in the game. You're going to be fine. Yes. You know, it's like there was a time not that long ago when a starting receiver got hurt and you had to go to a walk-on or you had to bring in Freddie Cantina as a transfer and Cam Smith as transfers to field a roster. Now you're talking about Bo Collins and Chris Mitchell and you know, hopefully Jamal Banks, which is not a done deal yet at all. They're trying, but I'm just saying like they're still working on him. And oh, by the way, you still have Deion Colsey and Jaden Thomas and Jane Greathouse and Jordan Faison and Micah Gilbert, and, right? So th- that's this has got they got to get it right, man. They got to get it right because there's a window here. And here's the key, Ryan. We talk about all this talent, but in this day and age, you start wasting that talent. It's a lot easier for that talent to say, "I'm out." Uh, that that's that's what I was going to say because yes, the talent's there, and, and I think when you're talking about the nuanced conversation of Jared Parker just in general, you need to be able to have a real conversation of like, for me, things are usually not as good as you think; they're usually not as bad as you think either. And you need to be able to say that Jared Parker did a lot of good things. Jared Parker exceeded a lot of expectations for most people, in my opinion, just kind of in the chat from just general over the last year but it still needs to get better. I mean, we need to have that conversation, right? Like it doesn't have to be everything sucks. Everything's great. And there's no in between. There's no in, in, in between. Right. It, Cause there is an in between. So we that's what that it's turned into though, Ryan, right? It's turned it into, if he's yeah. not great in every single game, then he sucks. And it's like, exactly. this is nonsense. Yes. This is nonsense. Agreed. Agreed. But to your initial points, as far as coach Freeman now entering his third year, we always hear this, Brian, the pitch that they give to recruits and the transfers of what the vision is, right? We hear about the vision a lot and offensively I'm talking about speaking specifically here at some point, the vision just becomes words, right? It Mm -hmm. just becomes words and it doesn't mean anything. If Notre Dame isn't able to show that they can develop the offensive side of the football at a higher level, certain Mm -hmm. positions, wide receiver and quarterback, most, most specifically here, and they can be that type of offense that they need to be in order to win a national championship. That's what they need right. to, to show that they are capable of now evolving offensively. So that offensive coordinator just conversation and the offensive coordinator hire, it's going to be big for Marcus Freeman in year three, because at some point recruits are going to say, you've been on the job for X amount of years and I'm not seeing like a ton of progress. I'm seeing some progress, but you're telling me you want to get here when am I, when are we expecting to get there? Right? Like, what is there a five year plan? Like, what is the plan here ultimately? So, Notre Dame needs to continue to show growth, obviously, and you need to be able to take a step forward, which is why I think this offensive coordinator hire is vital for the success of Marcus Freeman overall at the University of Notre Dame because I already talked about stability. This is going to be your third offensive coordinator in three years. There's going to be some recruits that are going to be walking in and having three different offensive coordinators in their career. Yeah, That's not sustainable, man. It's right. not. That's where offenses lose their luster. That's where programs kind of can fall to the wayside a little bit and just go adrift for a little bit. So Notre yeah. Dame has a big opportunity. And you dropped, Brian, and I'll say this. The names that I'm hearing that Notre Dame is at least looking at and has interest in or there's been contact with already gives me great hope. It really does. The two names that you put on the message board that we'll talk about here, I looked at and said, 
that gets me juiced. That gets me excited. I can just imagine what a recruit will think about it or a player coming back about some of the names, obviously, that we're getting thrown out here for Notre Dame. Right. Well, I mean, there's there's a couple names that we've heard so far. I'm going to drop an article later tonight with about six or seven names of guys that I think Notre Dame should go after. Uh, just so people are clear, when I have my offensive coordinator candidates article, it's going to be more about what I who these are the candidates I believe that they should pursue and give reasons why and how I think that that will go. So, you know, Ryan, first, of, I mean, there's there's two names we can talk about them now. They're out there. Uh, we put them on the board last night. The two names we've heard sure. that there's some interest in now to what level we'll, we'll see yep. is Mike Dembrock and and Kirby Moore. And for me, both of these guys are absolutely guys that that would be in what we're referring to. And I saw somebody. I got to pull this up because this is kind of what we're talking about. It's like I, if like if these guys aren't good hires, like I just look at some of the responses and I'm like, guys, we're we're just kind of being miserable for the sake of being miserable at this point in time. Are, are, and people, are like, people upset? Are people are upset. Yeah, like about those here's names? one. Like, Do we really want someone from the BK tree back? <laughs> what? Do you really want to bring back the guy who coordinated the most explosive offense in Notre Dame modern history, which means going back to World War One, which is exactly what the 2015 offensive offense did? Seven yards per play, right? I think what eight of the starters on that team were drafted on that offense were drafted, and one of them that wasn't was because he quit playing football as a junior and Steve Elmer. Otherwise, it would have yeah. been nine. Yeah. You're talking well, about an well, offense. I heard that, doing incredible in the um in the was he in finance finances he's or in, something he, like that. I he, heard uh, in DC. I mean, he yeah. got into politics, like you know stuff like yeah. that. But like he may be doing that now. But like he originally because he wanted to get into politics. Yeah. And and you're talking about a guy that just literally literally just coordinated an offense that had a Heisman Trophy winner. Sure. You know, coordinated an offense that that what I think they led the nation in scoring this year. Yeah, they were number one in scoring this year by over yeah. two points. It's 46.4 points per game, led the nation in offense at 547.8 yards and averaged 8.53 yards per play. The next closest was 7.8, and the next closest after that was 7.3. Like, and, and, but we don't want that because he's from the BK tree. Uh, <laughs> let, let, let me tell you that something else. Mike Dembrock was here before Brian Kelly got here, he right. had coached at Notre Dame before. But if that's if that's just because we don't like Brian Kelly, I don't like Brian Kelly. But sure. again, this does not mean that everybody that coached for Brian Kelly is a bad coach. He's also right? coached other places aside from being with Brian Kelly, yes, and he's been he was the offensive coordinator in Cincinnati for two years when they literally did not lose a regular season game for two whole years, yes. including coming into Notre Dame Stadium and handing Notre Dame their only loss of the season in 2021. And so it's like. If that's not good enough for you guys, I don't know what is. And then we talk about Kirby Moore. So, well, I want someone more experienced. Okay, well, what about Mike Denbrock? Yeah, but I don't want someone from – so who do you guys want? Is Mike Shanahan willing to come out of retirement and come coach for the for, for Notre Dame? Like, I I don't know what you want, right? I, I really don't. But here's what I know. Okay, my opinion, these are these are two great hires. And yes. this is the kind of coach that, Brian, that, that Marcus Freeman needs to get. When you look at a guy like Mike Denbrock, here's some positives to a guy like Mike Denbrock. Number one. He's an older guy. I know he loves Notre Dame. I don't know that he'll come, right? So we'll get to that in a second. But, like, I do know he loves and respects Notre Dame. That's why he came here twice for two different coaches. And he's a guy that's had really good success at three places, right? The last three places that Mike Dembrock was the offensive coordinator was at Notre Dame, where he oversaw the most explosive offense that Notre Dame's ever seen, most yards per play in a season ever. He also was a guy that went to Cincinnati after that after he got fired from Notre Dame because of Brian Kelly's mistakes by giving Mike Sanford more control in 2016, which was a mistake. And then he goes to Cincinnati, coordinates that offense, Ryan, and they win, they go back-to-back years. And, yep. and, and go up undefeated. a lot of play. NFL talent offensively, right. too. Exactly. I mean, Desmond Ritter, Alec Pierce, Tyler Scott, Trey Tucker, Jerome at Ford. Cincinnati. There was, yeah, there's a lot at of NFL talent Cincinnati, on the line. Brian, mm-hmm. at Cincinnati, he did that. Yep. And in two years, their two losses in, in, in those two years were a three-point loss to Georgia and a 21-point loss to Alabama. That, those are the games that he lost. And they went on the road and averaged 6.3 yards per play against Marcus Freeman's defense and when Notre Dame was ranked number eight in 2021. Like, that's that's what they did in those two seasons. And so, right. you know, you're talking about a guy that then goes to LSU 
And their offense last year was very good. good. Yeah. I mean, you know, like they went from 26.5 points per game in 2021 to 34.5 points per game in his first year there. They went from 368 and a half yards per game, 5.4 per carry to 453 yards and 6.4 yards per carry. Those are big jumps in one year. You know, you get Jaden Daniels comes in as your quarterback. He has a pretty good first year. Second year, he wins a Heisman Trophy. And he showed that he can win with dual-threat quarterbacks. I mean, he had a dual-threat quarterback at, at Notre Dame. Deshaun Kaiser rushed for 10 touchdowns, I believe, his first year as a starter with, with Mike Denbrock. Desmond Ritter was a, a good runner. He didn't. He wasn't like uh, quite as productive, I don't believe, if I remember uh, like red zone wise as as um, Deshaun Kaiser. But he, if I remember correctly, Ryan, he he did rush for a decent amount of yards in his time uh, at yeah. Cincinnati. You know, three four hundred yards a year. Actually, five hundred in two thousand and twenty. He ran for five hundred ninety two yards in five hundred in two thousand and twenty, and then ran for only three fifty five in two thousand twenty one. And so, yep. and then of course this pass with Jane Daniels. So you talk about the direction that Notre Dame's trying to go offensively. Mike Dembrock is very much in line with that pro style yep. spread offense that can run the football and that can use, take advantage of a dual threat quarterback. Yep. And, and so, I mean, there, there's a lot to like about that. And, and, hit, and some of the things I've seen him evolve in over the years from when he was in, there's some things I didn't like about his offense when he was here. You could kind of tell, where they were running based on how the tight end and back were aligned back then, you know, there's some, some, but he doesn't, that's, that's gone. That, that wasn't there at Cincinnati. It wasn't there at LSU. And he's a very good recruiter. Like I've told this story, how you punk the entire, did I ever tell the story of how you punk the entire USC coaching staff? Did I ever tell you that? I believe so. Yeah, I think so. So like, that's a guy that's got some stones and, yes. and loves recruiting and uh and loves Notre Dame now again will Mike Dembrock come Notre Dame I'm no I don't I have no idea I have my doubts it's sure. going to cost a lot of money to get him to consider even consider coming to Notre Dame yep and clearly he likes and respects Brian Kelly otherwise he wouldn't have come to Notre Dame with him he wouldn't have been in his wedding and he wouldn't be working for him now at LSU after Brian Kelly fired him in 2016 that's wild you know what yeah. I mean so clearly yeah. there's a, a strong connection there and a relationship there the the flip side is Dude, you're never. It's never going to be better for you at LSU than it was this past year, in my opinion. Because I'm someone who doesn't believe Brian Kelly can win a championship. And you look at it, you're going to lose your Heisman Trophy winning quarterback, and you just you're going to replace him with AJ Swan. Well, I, I'm I'm told that AJ Swan is a little bit more of insurance in case Nussmeier isn't that guy. And but I've way, been told yeah. they don't like that they're not high on Nussmeier. Yes, yes, well. I've I've also heard that. But apparently Nor- they do like Ricky Collins, so maybe that. Well, yes, and I love I Ricky know. Collins too. You know, I like yeah. Ricky Collins a lot too. But he's not Jaden Daniels, and and so like Ricky's a guy that I would have taken at Notre Dame. I've talked about this. I like Ricky Collins a lot. But the point is, Ryan, there's a lot to like there. And if you, you know, you put the right staff around him, you've seen what Mike Dembrock can do. He's a, and he did all that with freaking Brian Van Gorder as his defensive coordinator. Sure. sure. So there's a lot to like there. Would he take the job? I have my doubts, to be honest. Yeah. But I like the fact that Marcus Freeman's shooting for the stars, so to speak. No, because sure. again, look at the big games, Mike. I mean, Mike Dembrock has been in some big moments and coached on some really good football teams since he took over as the OC at Notre Dame. And then he went to Cincinnati and did the same thing. And then he went to, you know, you know, guy's done a heck of a job. And then now is what he's doing at LSU. So, and the game he called against Alabama in 2023 was, or 22 was excellent. Yep. Absolutely excellent. So there's a lot to like there, a lot to like there. This episode of the Irish Breakdown Podcast is brought to you by BetterHelp. It's the holiday season, which means it's a time for giving. Giving to our community is important. There's always joy in giving to our friends and family. We also need to ensure that we are properly focused on giving to ourselves and making sure we're taking steps to give ourselves the tools we need to get through the tough times. The holidays are a perfect time for that. It's important to learn positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. There are ways to make sure you have the tools to be the best version of yourself. And that's not something that's only for those who experience major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. 
Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. In the season of giving, give yourself what you need with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com Irish today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com, H-E-L-P dot com slash Irish. This is the best time of the year. It's bowl season and Christmas is right around the corner. So whether you're looking for tickets to the Sun Bowl to watch Notre Dame take on Oregon State or looking for tickets to a Christmas concert or comedy show or just looking for a great last minute gift, game time is the place for you. With killer deals on last minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball games, concerts, comedy shows, theaters, and more. The Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section or and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest growing ticket app in the country for a reason. Get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, and you're set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your email. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code IRISH for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code IRISH for $20 off. Download the Game Time app today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. That's gametime.co. Obviously, there is at least chatter that there is going to be some contact there. Well, is it likely? Probably not. Is Notre Dame going to shoot for it, though? At least they're going to do their due diligence, right? And see what happens because Marcus Freeman did coach at Cincinnati with Mike Denbrock. Right. Mike Brown was at Cincinnati while Mike Denbrock was there as well. So there's some relationship as far as current staff with Mike Denbrock as well. So we'll see what happens. But regardless, I, I, the fact that he's in the conversation, I think, is a great sign for Notre Dame. I think it's a tremendous sign. I will say this. I don't believe that money is going to be an issue for Notre Dame this cycle. It's more about... You know, does Mike Dembrock really want to make that move again? That's more what it is. The positive is, is if he makes that move, he's pro- it's probably going to be a while. And, you know, people have asked, one of the questions in the chat was, was there some like Notre Dame connection that I don't know about that would make Mike Dembrock want to leave the job he has? Yeah, he's a Northern guy. I mean, he's spent most of his career coaching in the North. Um, yep. he, you know, he, he's, he's very much loved Notre Dame. So there's a, but that doesn't mean he's necessarily going to, because it's not just about him. He's got a family. He's got a young wife. He's got young kids. You know, there, there's a lot. of and, and again, great respect for Brian Kelly. Yeah. So, but it won't be because of money. It won't be because Notre Dame, I don't believe. Because right now, if you're Marcus Freeman, you've got your administration by the short and curlies a little bit, to pardon my expression. Because the way things went down last year, there's no way, no way that they're going to say, sorry, we're not going to pay that much to go get you an offensive coordinator this year. No way. No way. Agreed. And so, um, but it, it's more about, it's going to be expensive, but it's more about, I just think Mike Dembrock's going to want to stay. Yep. That's, that's yep. what it is. Yeah. So we'll see what happens with that one. Obviously the other name for people that aren't too familiar is Kirby Moore, who is the current offensive coordinator at Missouri, who obviously Missouri is having a tremendous season under Eli Drinkwitz this year. Kirby Moore, before that was at Fresno State with, during the Jake Hayner, Kalen DeBoer era of Fresno State football, where they were very successful and high flying. And he was the OC there previously. And they put up a lot of great statistics there. And yes, Kirby Moore is the younger brother. Or is he younger? Or is he older than Kellen? I always get this. I think, he's younger. I, like he, I think he's younger. Yeah. He younger played brother. in like, like 09 to 12 or something like that at Boise. Okay. And yeah, I, think I, re- I remember him briefly because he wore like number 30 something as a wide receiver. I was just yeah. like, what are you doing, dog? <laughs> that's, that's a different conversation, though. But yes, Kirby Moore, who, Brian, by the way, Missouri this year had like a 10 point jump offensively yeah. and a ton of yards jump offensively. I mean, he's it's not a, it's not obviously not as big a track record as what we have with Mike right. Denbrock, for instance. Right. But 
he has taken over and improved offenses at his previous couple spots, and he's been around a lot of great offensive minds, yeah. which I think is is worthy of mentioning, obviously. that Let's start with that, Ryan, and then we'll dive into that. First, two things. Number one, I've had some people say, well, you know, Eli Drinkwitz ran the offense in Missouri. I've been told that's not accurate. I was told that's kind of part of the conversation with Eli, with with um, Kirby Moore even taking that job. It was going to be his offense. And, and you can watch what they did this year and see very much. You can see a lot more of Kirby Moore's influence at Missouri than you can see Garrett Riley's influence at, at Clemson, for example, as far as what he's done in past years. And so, you know, for me, um, Ryan, when, when I look at it, it's, it's, it's a situation where you've got a young guy that's unproven. And so as far as like timeline, time frame, right? Like Denbrock's been doing this a long time. Like Denbrock's been calling plays since Kirby Moore was in college, right? But you've got a guy that has the pedigree. And I think that's the thing because you've got, you talked about Kalen DeBoer, coach with Kalen DeBoer, two years of Fresno, coach with Jeff Ted for what, three years? Because he was there as a position coach for two years. And then in 22, he's the OC. This is also a guy that played for and coached for a year under Chris Peterson. So that's the offensive influence you talk about, Ryan. It's Chris Peterson, it's Kalen DeBoer, and it's Jeff Tedford. And you can see a little bit of all of their influence, but the guy to me that who who to me seems to have the strongest influence on who Kirby Moore is right now is Chris Peterson, which would make sense because he played for him. And that's where a lot of coaches have their opinions formed. Like, why does Lincoln Riley have the opinion he has as far as off? Because he played for Mike Leach at Texas Tech. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like and you're going to have a lot of that, and you can easily see that. But I think you nailed it, Ryan. That pedigree is something like that, to me, can trump he hasn't been doing it for eight years when you look Correct. at the pedigree he's been with. Yep. Uh, well, I, I think both the I think that both the player the both the coaches that we're talking about today have different allure to just players and recruits in general because Mike Denbrock. I mean, you just look at what he did at LSU this past year, the past couple years, what he did in Cincinnati. It's a pretty easy sell as far as offensive football. Kirby Moore is a little bit of the other side of it of like, this is the young guy, right? This is a little bit of more of an, a little more inexperienced comparative, but still good experience. I mean, uh, at the end of the day, I care about quality over quantity personally, but he is a younger guy in his early thirties that has shown, because I, I watched a lot of Missouri film last year. And I'll, I'll say this is that, Luther Burton's a dude, right? He's a very talented player, wide receiver, sophomore wide receiver, All-American type player. But aside from that, that Missouri offense isn't too talented. I mean, it really isn't. I mean, Brady Cook's a, a good, solid talent as a college quarterback, but he's nothing special. They got the Schrader kid at running back who was a Division II player originally. So, like, they're getting a lot out of, I think, pretty solid but unspectacular talent in a lot of ways. And – I really have enjoyed watching the Missouri team, especially over the last day or so, as we kind of got confirmation that Kirby was at least contacted or had, they have general interest there because I think that he does a lot of good things offensively, not as much from a schematic, like this is foundation. This is, you know, this is so evolutionary and he's just doing all the, but he understands how to create mismatches. And right. that is what I want at Notre Dame. A guy that understands these are your best players. How do I get them in the best possible spot to create big plays and create mismatches? Boy, he did that this year at Missouri. There's two two things about that, Ryan. This is something that you and I have been talking about together since we started doing shows together. When you're an offensive coach, the best offensive coaches know how to get into matchup, like pause, favorable matchups. Not like, how can I spend the whole game figuring out how to get Marvin Harrison as many touches as possible? Sometimes it's like, you know what? I think we've got a great mismatch with Julian Fleming against so-and-so. Or this week, I think we got a great matchup with Jordan Faison. Or I think J Jordan, J if we move Jaden Greathouse around here, we can get to different mismatches. Like, and and how can I get my my tight ends isolated? Or how can I get my backs in space where my backs only may only catch three balls, but they're going to be go for sixty yards. You know what I mean? Total yards. It's things like that. And and there's two ways to get there. One is just be like run a million plays, and and others is like, look, we're we're going to get real creative. We don't have a million plays but we're going to run what we have a lot of different ways. And then we're going to use formations and motions and different things like that to isolate you. And I'd like to, for you to explain a couple of the examples that you and I were talking about before the show, Ryan, that are, that may not seem like rocket science, but they're hard to prepare for defensively because there's so many different things you can get out of it that yep. easily translates to Notre Dame and not just 
for slot receivers, Ryan, with Jordan Faison and Jake Greathouse, but in their two-back looks because Missouri yeah. doesn't have the kind of athletes in the pass game that Notre Dame has as far as like that type of dynamic athlete. So just to give an example of, of these are some ways that, that it, 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 it takes some creativity, but this isn't reinventing the wheel no. that can really be effective and fits what Notre Dame does really well. Yeah. Because, I mean, offensively, I mean, first and foremost, I already talked about the 10-point-per-game jump that they had this past season. They went from 24 points a game in 2022 to 20, over 34 points a game this year, and obviously the yardage was a big increase as well. But the, the thing that impressed me most about creating mismatches is the talent was exactly who they had the year before. They actually had less the year before because their leading receiver went to Georgia this past year as well. So they, mm-hmm. they actually lost a prominent fixture of their offense from 2022, but they brought back exactly who they had in 2022. They had Luther Burden. They had Brady Cook. They had Schrader. They had Mookie Cooper. That's who they had as far as their skill position talent. The only the only new guy that they got, Ryan, was Theo Weiss is the yeah. only guy that they got. And, and as far as like you replaced Dominic Lovett with him, on paper, yeah. that shouldn't be a huge – like, that's not necessarily a big upgrade. I mean, Theo Weiss was exactly. at, at Oklahoma for four years and had never caught more than 37 passes in a season. You know, good player, but not the kind of impact we saw this year, and he just transitioned right well, in. But that – I mean, every, like, yeah. that's like getting Bo Collins, right? Like, that, yeah. that meaning, like, it's a good pickup, but it's not like you're going to have 10 points per game more because you got him – and sure. a portal is my point. Continue. Yeah. And they also improved just the efficiency stuff, right? So like the year before, Schrader had only averaged like four point something yards per carry. This year, he's over six. Yeah. Luther Burton in 2022, only a true freshman, but he averaged less than 10 yards per reception yeah. that year. This year, he's well over 10. Like he's he's a thousand yard receiver, over 1,100 yards this year for the Missouri Tigers. And the way that they do that, folks, is like I was talking to Brian before the show about this one play in particular. They run a lot of two-back stuff out of gun and some pistol as well, but it's not two-back is what we would associate with Notre Dame, for instance, as far as like Jeremiah Love and Jadorian Price in the backfield. No, they'll put one of their wide receivers in the backfield. The one example I gave was Luther Burton was in as a running back next to Brady Cook on the other side of, of Schrader, and they first they shifted him to a wing out of a two-back set, then they brought him back because I think what was happening, and this is just me watching film, is that I think they were trying to see who was going to move with Luther Burden, whether they when they motion him or they line him up in a different spot, who's going to move with them. So once they saw who can move with them, they motioned him into the slot from the to the weak side of the field to the short side, and they had created a mismatch with him against a linebacker. And for anybody that's seen Luther Burden this year. Luther Burden versus linebacker, not an advantageous situation for a defense. And he got a quick, easy release. I think he ran like a almost like a pivot route and then one inside and created a big play there. And they do that not only with Burden, they do that with Mookie Cooper. They run a lot of swing screen stuff, but it's not anything that's super exotic as far as he runs a lot of inside zone. He runs a lot of outside zone. He loves to run to the boundary, especially. But like, it's nothing where I looked at it and I said, like, Colton Necky, that is now the offensive coordinator at Penn State. I watch his offensive Kansas. I'm like, well, that's very creative, right? They're pulling guys in different directions. They're running, you know, they're doing a lot of eye candy stuff, a lot of pre-snap motions. Like, that's stuff where I look at and say they really need to scheme open guys. I wouldn't say he's a he's like a, 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 I don't say master class of scheme, but a guy that is just obsessed with scheme. I think he's obsessed with creating mismatches with different alignments. That's what I look at and I say Kirby Moore just wants to get guys isolated in the right spot and he's okay with moving guys in different personnel groupings and in different alignments to create those things so i was incredibly impressed by what he was able to do at missouri this year because this was his first year you saw the improvement you also saw what he was able to do at fresno state the year before by the way he had josh kelly who's now obviously a texas tech but he had him at fresno state he had jake hayner he had the other wide receiver whose name's escaping me that was a really dynamic space player as well for Fresno State the year before. Is also, he understands how to get guys in good mismatches. And I think that's really because moving forward, Brian, like I'm thinking about how can we get Jeremiah Love isolated against a running back in the passing game from time to time? Mm-hmm. How can I get Cam Williams freed up 
against some of these guys? How can I get the Jaden Greathouses? How can I get the Jordan Faisons? How can I, Eli Raritans, getting these guys in advantageous situations? I think Kirby Moore is a master yeah. of that. When you look at what he did with Jake Hayner, Ryan, in, in his one year as the coordinator, remember Jake Hayner got hurt that year and was was kind of beat up and only played 10 games. But in that one season, he completed 72% of his passes and had 20 touchdowns and three picks. I mean, a pretty good year. And again, that's for a guy that was was pretty banged up, missed four games. Yep. And, uh, you know, like I said, did some very, very good things, including looking great against Washington State in the bowl game last year. Yes. And, and also – against Oregon State. Now, keep in mind, I'm just going to pull this up. So in 2022, Oregon State against uh, USC and Heisman Trophy winner Caleb Williams held him to 44.4% completion percentage, 180 yards, 5.0 yards per play, one touchdown, zero picks, and a 95.61 passer rating. Two weeks before that, two weeks before that, Jake Hayner, Threw for 360 yards, completed 63% of his passes, and they scored. They and they uh, they lost to uh, Fresno, or they lost to Oregon State, 35-32, and that was a really good defense that year. So Jake Hayner had more passing yards against them than Cam Ward did, more than Bo Nix did, more than Caleb Williams did, more than Michael Penix did. That's they faced all those teams, and the only quarterback that had a higher yards per attempt average against them was Bo Nix by 0.2 yards last season. Yeah. That's it. And so just to give you some context of, of kind of the things that he does or he did, and, and then, of course, Jake Hayner got hurt, missed four games, uh, and then came back and, and played pretty well from the time. I mean, when he came back from injury, he had to see 10, 16 touchdowns and two picks in the, in the seven games that he came back from. So this is a really, this is a really you know, a good offensive mind. I love the lineage. I love the fact he coached. I mean, that was one of a friend of mine's biggest – concern about Jared Parker was who's the great coach that he really learned under. Yeah. It was a David Cuckler for two years, but other than that, like what Ricky rain, you know, guys like that. And then you look at, you look at, um, you know, you look at this kid and that's all he's ever been under is that, yeah. I mean, his whole career player and as a coach is under great offensive minds, guys that right now and we look at and say, these are some of the best minds of college. And Jeff Tedford is, is also for a long time, has been considered one of the best minds in college football and and did some really good things at Cal. His brother's an all, also an offensive coordinator right. in the NFL. So, yeah, I mean, right. that's even extended into the Moore household, to your point. Right. Well, and somebody told me his dad was like a legendary coach in high school in, in the state of Washington. I can, I can believe it. Which, exactly. And, and so uh, that tracks very well with Kirby Moore. Now, again, I don't know that these are definitely guys that they're going to hire because I don't, I mean, those guys got to accept jobs and, and I don't know what the preference is, but I, I do believe those are two guys that are on the radar and, and we, and I hear consistently from good sources about, you know, on both sides of some of these to say, Hey, this is something that they're definitely looking at. And, and look, I'll just say this, Ryan, if you're, when you're going to make a hire, um, it's gotta be something like this. Yes. If you don't get somebody like this, then it's just, you don't understand what you need to do on offense to win. That, that's as simple as that. You've got to make you've got to make them. Hey, identify the guys you want and go get them. Because to me, these are both the guys that have shown throughout the, their entire careers know how to maximize the talent that they have on their roster. Yeah. And with all due respect to Desmond Ritter, Notre Dame is going to have multiple quarterbacks on their roster the next two years with more God given ability than Desmond Ritter in my opinion. And that's not a knock on Desmond Ur. It was a third-round draft pick. His starting yeah. games in the NFL. Kid's got ability. But they're going to have at least three guys over the next few years they are going to have more God-given ability than he does in different ways. And so, and look, again, they had a, had a great receiving core in 2021, Mike Dembrock. But, uh, you know, and you're also talking about guys that have shown they can take a product and make it a lot better. That's the other yeah. big thing, Ryan. Like, well, Jane you know, Daniels was broken when he got to yeah. LSU. Even I mean, he was broken. Well, yeah, I mean, we we talked about. I mean, I'll, I'll I'll point it out again, Ryan. I mean, just look at the progress that LSU made, and then I'll do the same thing in Missouri, just to kind of point it out. But LSU, in the year before Mike Dembrock took over, was scoring twenty six point five points per game. They jumped up to thirty four point five the next year, and then jumped up to forty six point four this year. And and you look at their total offense; they went from. Uh, 368 yards and 5.4 yards per play in year one to 453 and 6.4 in year two 
to 547.8 to 8.5 in year three. I also think the notion that everything they did that was off script is a big misnomer. Yes, Jaden Daniels did a lot of things off script, but they did a lot of stuff in, within the framework of the offense as well that is very impressive. Yeah. Um, and 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 also again, you want a coach that knows how to how how to put a quarterback in position to make plays off script. That's part of designing an offense. Is if if this doesn't break down, he need, we need to have the protection set in a way, the formation set in a way where the quarterback can take off and run, which is exactly what you need when you're bringing in Riley Leonard, a guy like Riley Leonard and Deuce Knight, right? Uh, you look at the like I said, total offense five forty seven point eight and eight point five yards per play in his uh, his last year. And the other thing too is, you know, you, you, they averaged one hundred fourteen point one yards per game on the ground the year before he got there. That jumped up to one eighty three point seven the next year, and then this year two hundred thirteen point five. Now a lot of that was quarterback runs, and I would hope sure. that they don't have to rely on it. But the problem they had this year is so many of their running backs kept getting hurt. But their yep. top three running backs all averaged over five yards a carry this season yep. on what I thought was uh, a solid but a bit overrated offensive line in that it was a finalist for the Joe Moore Award. I, I didn't I didn't I didn't see that. I thought Jaden Daniels got hit a lot. <laughs> so I mean there were there were some things there, but you know, again, huge improvement from where they started. Let's yep. look at Missouri, Ryan, and what, what we saw at Missouri. How Eli Drinkwitz is in what year three? Thought it was four. I could be wrong about that. Yeah, you you could. You're probably right. It's um because he was there. His first year would have been what the COVID year, right? Then in that in that case, so, so yeah, 2020. Yep. So you look at you know what Eli Drinkwitz did the the years before in his first year, 26.7 points per game, 29.1 and 24.8. This year they jumped up to 34.1. His first three years, 402 yards, 5.6 per play. 413.7 yards, 5.9 yards per play, dipped to 367.6 yards, 5.4 yards per play. And this past year jumped up to 442.9 at 6.6 yards per play. So again, noticeable jumps from where they were before. Yeah. And, yep. and, uh, and I mean, and, and look, I would argue, Ryan, that the t- just the God given talent he had is the, in previous years was, I think, a, a little bit better than what they had in this past year in certain areas, especially running back. Like Tyler Batty was a he was a really good college running back, and Cody Schrader was a four point four yards per. Kid. Their top five running backs in two thousand and twenty two, the year before uh, he Ter- Kirby Moore took over, their running backs were four point three eight, four point two one quarterback, four point two five, four four point eight nine, and the four point eight nine guy only had nineteen carries. Actually, Luther Burden tied for the, the lead in, in, in yards per carry amongst guys with more than 10 carries at 4.89. 2022, their starting running back had 6.1, 6.07 yards per carry. Yep. And, you know, very, very good production. Their quarterback was at eight yard, eight, had eight rushing touchdowns this season, you know, but their, their biggest jump came in the pass game. I mean, that's really where you saw a jump. They went from 212.9, 212.9 yards per game. Brady Cook had 14 touchdowns, seven interceptions, 7.1 yards per attempt, 64.7% completion. Comes out this year, completion percentage goes up to 66.4 for a kid who's not super accurate, to be honest with you. And his uh, went Pat went up to uh, 265.8 yards per game. Excuse me, the, the starter the year before was a 209.5. The team was a 212.9. So the starter was at 209.5 yards per game. And 7.1 yards per attempt, 14 touchdowns, and seven picks. This year he jumps up. And the starting quarterback accounts for 28 touchdowns, 20 passing, eight rushing, only six picks. And he completes 66.4% of his passes and jumps up to 265.8. As a team, they jump up to 273.5. That's a 60-point jump, despite losing their best receiver to Georgia through the portal the next year. For sure, yeah. Right, right. And you mentioned earlier about the jump for Luther Burden, Ryan. As a true freshman, Luther Burden had a nice year. 45 catches, 375 yards, six touchdowns, 8.3 yards per carry. In year two, he and they a part of it was they moved him to a different position. That was part of the process. 83 catches, 1197 yards, 14.4 yards per catch, eight touchdowns. They had three they had four receivers with at least 12 catches for over 300 yards because Marquise Johnson had 12 catches for 333 yards this year, 27.8 yards per catch three touchdowns on 12 catches. 
So now they didn't use their tight end a ton, but that's not something that I mean. That's just that's building around what you have. Yes, they well, shouldn't I mean, use their tight end a ton, right? When when you have Luther Burden and Theo Weiss and Mookie Cooper, I probably wouldn't throw the tight end right. so much either. And your I, tight end is Brett Norfleet, who's okay. You know, yeah. you're you're not going to be throwing to him as much. Sure. So, Ryan, those are my thoughts on the two guys that we have now. We'll we'll talk about some more guys as we hear names, like legitimate names. I'll have an article out later today that's going to kind of break down who I like uh, as offensive coordinators, and these two guys will be in it, who I would pursue if I was Notre Dame. And and, and some of them I, I like a lot. Some of them are guys that I think are at least worth talking to. Like, I was a little skeptical of Willie Korn in the past, but I really love what they did at Liberty this year. I mean, their offense was explosive. It and was. they did it with a different quarterback, different players, you know, than, than they did at Coastal. So there'll be some guys like that. Alex Atkins will be a guy that I talk about. You know, we both love Jason Candle. I'll talk about him. And I'll talk yep. about whether I think they're realistic options or not or what the concerns are. So it'll be – here's what I like, and here's here's would be some of the drawbacks or question marks you'd have to answer. But – the point is, Ryan, this is the kind of guy they have to get. These two guys are, are – this is the caliber, whether it's a veteran with a proven track record or a young up-and-comer that, boy, has got a lot of lot of potential and talent. And then the key is when Marcus Freeman, whoever he brings in, he's got to say, your goal is to build an efficient, explosive offense. None of this – we're going to complement the defense crap that we've seen. We're yep. going to go out, no matter who we're playing – and, and and be an efficient, explosive offense. Now, here's the thing. You don't have to say, well, we're going to accept 20 turnovers because we're trying to be efficient and explosive. That's not a thing. That's not how it has to be. And and so it's going to have to be that. I mean, you're going to have to do that. You're going to have to have a situation where you, you, you understand as the head coach that we have to be dynamic on offense sure. because that's the only way we can win. We're not going to win 21 to 7, 17 in the national championship game. Just – not going to happen. We've got to be able to score. Your yep. defense did everything it needed to do this year against Clemson to win that football game, and it just didn't. It didn't matter. I mean, against Ohio State because it didn't matter because your offense couldn't get the job done. And yep. that's where they're at. That's been true. I mean, not many people could hold that 2018 Clemson offense to only 30 points. I mean, that was actually a and 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 Ryan. The last touchdown that they got was because Notre Dame was down 23 to 3 and needed to make a play so they were bringing more aggressive run stunts which is why Travis Etienne ripped off that long run. He's not doing that if it's a close game and Notre Dame's still playing their base defense. He's not. And so they did as good of a job as anybody against that offense, that defense. But guess what? They couldn't score. So it didn't matter. And yeah. and that's where they've got to get to. And coach and coach Freeman has to understand that, right? You you lost to Georgia and the Peach Bowl because you couldn't score enough points. You know, your defense played great. You held Georgia to 24 points. You held them to 40-some rushing yards. Didn't matter. You only scored 21 points, right? And that's – that's he's got to get out of that Luke Fickle, Jim Trestle notion of, you know, we're going to win games 24 to 17, 21 to 14. Got to be able to score. And this yeah. hire is going to tell us a lot because this is a huge offseason for him, right? You're hiring a strength coach and an O.C., Yep. Those are two huge hires, and you got to get them both right. He's got about a thousand this offseason, Ryan. If Notre Dame's going to have a ch- shot to take that next level, because eventually, if you keep making these mistakes, the shine comes off. And right? you stop getting shots. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yep. But if you hit home runs this summer or this offseason, Ryan, now the guy we think you can be is who this program becomes. And that's how Notre Dame takes their potential and turns it into production. And that's the key. This offense had a lot of potential. We saw it at times, but it just couldn't get there when it mattered most. They are going to have to bring in an OC that does that. And the head coach is going to have to demand that from not even, not just let them, let them do it, but demand it from them. And that's the decision that coach Freeman is going to have to make. So this is a very big, these next two weeks are going to be huge for Marcus Freeman in determining ultimately what he's going to be known as at Notre Dame. It's not the end-all be-all, but we're getting to that point where you got to start getting these right. Yep. got to start getting them right. Well, the next couple weeks are going to be super busy, folks. Obviously, the offensive coordinator conversation will be a big part of it. Strength and conditioning coach will be a big part of it, and that search and obviously solidifying things there. National signing day tomorrow, if you're listening to us on a Tuesday, it is Wednesday. December 20th is National Signing Day. We also have, obviously, a bowl game. It's coming up pretty soon. <laughs> Notre Dame's playing Oregon State, in case anybody forgot about that one. And also, 
All American Bowl, the sixth of January, be down in San Antonio, Texas. So a lot that we're gonna a lot of content that's gonna be coming out, a lot of news, a lot of conversation. So make sure you hit that like button below us. Subscribe to the podcast, notification bell as well, and go to boards.irishbreakdown.com because if you want more names that could potentially be on the offensive coordinator conversation, the minute we have them and we can put them out to the world, they will be on the message board first and foremost. So make sure to go for that exclusive content. We're going to get in the mailbag next, folks. We want to thank you so much, though, for being here on this portion of the Irish Breakdown podcast.